Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. I have neither right now. I don't even have a ding-dong water, but that's okay. We'll be all right. We could survive. We've survived a lot longer with a lot less. So I am sitting here today with a new friend, someone that I just met on the internet probably 45 seconds ago, but that's how the internet is these days. So everybody, please make some noise for my new friend, Roberto Montoya of the Icons of Industry Collective. Everybody make some noise. There he is. So, Roberto, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. How you doing? You're welcome. I'm doing good. Just, uh, we actually, I don't know if you want to get into this now, but we just shot a music video yesterday. So I had a long day and uh, slept in a little bit, had a breakfast and just kind of putting stuff away. And Awesome. Yep. Yeah, no, we could definitely get into it. I think that's yeah. why we're here is to, yeah. to get into it. So for those yeah. of you out there that aren't familiar with Icons of Industry, I don't know a whole lot about it. You reached out to me. I'm excited to learn right. about these things. So give mm-hmm. me the skinny. What's the dealio? What's happening? What's cracking? What's the haps? What's, yeah, what's, what's yeah. popping? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so right now, it, uh, so I said, I'm Roberto. Uh, we call it a collective because... Uh, we're just some musicians. It's mainly myself and my one of my childhood friends named Johnny Lopez III, who's on drums. And the two of us, you know, I've been jamming for a long time. Like I said, we were friends since we were kids. Uh, and we've been in Austin for over 20 years and uh, making music and stuff. So right now we have just a project where we like to record. So the main thing is writing songs and getting into the studio, uh, releasing singles, you know, uh, maybe EPs, uh, do music videos. And then we like to collaborate with other musicians. So that's, that's the, the collective aspect of it. So we have people coming in on different instruments, bass, or, you know, we have one where we have a turntablist, uh, getting involved and, uh, you know, whatever hip hop artists, rap artists, other vocalists, keyboard players and things like that. So, yeah. So yeah, it, that's what's going on to me. What it sounds like, you've managed to accomplish is to have like a band essentially but without any of the drama or the ego yeah. or the bullshit exactly <laughs> so so people are free to, to you know to do other yeah. projects and you know we work around everybody's schedule there's no there's no hard pressure about hey we got to do this or we got to do that and that's one of the reasons why you know aside from the, the corona thing uh we weren't really doing a lot of live shows uh, I do like to do that. I like to perform and everything else. But right now, the primary focus is just the recording. And everyone, you know, that I work with, that's one of the things that that we look for in people is that do you have a setup at home? Do you have a home studio? You know, it doesn't have to be the you know the greatest thing, but something where you can lay down some tracks and you understand the the fundamentals of you know sending stems back and forth and things like that. If you're if you have that and you're interested, then you can. You can participate, and we're welcoming uh, anyone who wants to join in on that front. Yeah, that's super super cool. So, 
you are, you know, all the way in Austin. I am all the way in Pittsburgh. We are on opposite ends of this country. So how in the ding dong world did you find me? How, how are we connected on the internet? I'm very curious. Yeah, I think I, uh, you know, I think I stumbled across one of your podcasts, Brian, on Facebook. I believe is how it came to be. I just noticed on my feed somehow you, one of your uh, videos popped up. So I clicked on the link. I just listened for a little while. I went to your website, checked out some of your music. I saw that you're in a couple of projects, you know, electronic and other things like yeah. that. And uh, so check them out. And I said, Hey, this looks pretty cool. And I, and I saw a couple of episodes. Actually, you meant when you mentioned about the making sure you turn on the recording, I saw one of your episodes and maybe it was the last one where, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you didn't turn it on and you uh-huh. have to go back. So, uh-huh. Yeah. So I've seen a few of your shows and yeah, I just like the format. It seems pretty, uh, you know, chilled out and relaxed. And I was, and I was actually hoping to be able to go into the studio because it, it, it looks really fun to be in there with you and everything. So, but I know, you know, the, the virus and all that, but Hey, yeah. you know, one of these days, I think what's <laughs> really cool about this though, is that, you know, it's really easy, I think, for us as independent creators to get hung up on this idea that like social media is out to get us like they're they're holding the little man down. And in a lot of ways it is. But you I somehow stumbled into your feed yeah. for whatever reason. So I don't feel like it's impossible. I really feel like it's a matter of what you engage with online and how right. we just really, you know, create our own prisons of bullshit if like all we're interacting with is you know chaos then that's all we're gonna see but maybe you're somebody that is more into like well i'm curious about other musicians and i'm just interacting with that so somehow through the the realm of the algorithm i was brought to you (laughs) and i'm noticing it happening more and more because like you know i've had you know people from chicago reach out i had someone from norway on my show recently like this is really cool because i don't really super duper go out of my way to uh reach out outside of pittsburgh but now that it's starting to come in it's really cool just to see like the connectivity and the possibilities of that and the internet and like using this insanely powerful thing that we have for Mm -hmm. good and for creativity because i think it's possible so i'm happy to be contributing to that and it seems like i was gonna say it seems like you know with you know, icons of industry and this collaborating thing, it seems like you're, mm-hmm. you know, dipping your toes in that water as well with like finding a really good productive way to use this fucking tool that most of us just abuse for like the worst possible things ever. Yeah. Like you said, I, I see it as a tool. So it's not, I don't see it as inherently good or evil. It's something that you can use like anything else, you know, a gun or whatever. So it's how it's the person uh, that's using it. So I actually thought you were in Austin first, uh, you know, then you mentioned Pittsburgh, but yeah, I mean, the internet allows us to, to work with different people. Like I mentioned, you know, one of the tracks we have a guy from Spain. So he's, he, he's a turntablist from Spain. And so he's on one of the tracks. Uh, we have another track that we just did that has, you know, people from Italy. There's a keyboard player from Italy is, is on there. And uh, another guy from, I think Ecuador or somewhere like that. I mean, it's, it's crazy or Chile or something. So anyway, yeah, I think it's it's it allows people to communicate and people can use it for for good or or use it for evil. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So in terms of you, my new friend, Roberto, what is your background in music? It seems like 
most of the time when I meet somebody who is interested in doing music from, you know, not an ego driven standpoint, more of like a collaborative aspect. And I don't give a shit about the genre. I just want to create. They usually have pretty interesting backstories. So what is yours? How did you get into making music? How did I get to making music? Well, so it started when I was actually quite young. Uh, I My first interest was computers. So uh, I had, you know, whatever, uh, they called it a trash 80 or, you know, the Commodore 64 and all that. So I got into that kind of hacking deal. And then there was some music there as well. So one of the machines I had was a, they call it a Commie 64. And and it had, you know, a pretty, pretty cool sound chip. So got into making music like that just making noises and sounds and then around uh middle school or in early high school i got into the the high school band so i started playing trumpet and uh got into that deal marching band and all that so that was kind of my first foray into music then one of my cousins who's my age and was born on the same day as me i think he might be an hour or two or older or me i don't <laughs> i forgot but he plays he plays guitar man and he was he was playing Randy Rhodes solos and Iron Maiden solos at like 14 years old. Hell yeah. Right. So, so when I met him, like he became a, a huge uh, musical mentor in my life and, and I got really interested in guitar. So he really began to show me chops and like how to take out music by ear because he was all about ear. He never went to school for that. He just could pick it up so he could hear a song, you know, just like Bark at the Moon or whatever from Ozzy. And he would just just start playing it, dude. And it sounded killer. Like, wow, he, he nailed all those notes and everything. So he started teaching me how to, how to get those things out of by ear. And then I learned to fretboard a little bit and all that. So that's kind of how I got into music. Then, uh, I, you know, once I got into guitar, that the whole world of, of rock opened up. So my background in terms of my early stuff would, you know, is all the heavy, you know, Sabbath and Maiden, <clears throat> uh, Zeppelin, of course, and and then I got into some of the proggy stuff like Yes and Rush, uh, Uriah Heep and things like that. So I'm I'm very interested in the in the nerdy aspect because like like I mentioned, uh, uh, I'm into computers as well, and I actually do that for I'm a software engineer, so I'm still a huge nerd. So I'm I'm very interested in the technical stuff and and then how do you take how do you get technical and then make 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 it artistic, right? So I'm not in, I'm not drawn to like the super technical guys. Listen, there's some technical guys that are they're cool, like you know maybe Momstein or like some of the guitar virtuosos that are just whizzes on the fretboard. That doesn't interest me as much as people that are more uh, you know experimental that that could that are even sloppy. You could say sure, uh, you know like a lot of it has to do with uh, like personality, right? Like yeah. you know like. Yngwie Malmsteen can play a fucking guitar, but that guy has zero personality. So it's like, well, he does have a personality. It's just not a very, it's not an inviting one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're talking about his personal personal stuff. Yeah. But but for his music, I mean, it's classical. So it's Mm -hmm. it's traditional classical Baroque and stuff, which is cool. But again, I'm, I'm, I've always been into the fusion stuff. Yeah. I think that it's super interesting hearing about this background of like, starting with computers and a Commodore 64 and just beeps and boops and very early, almost what now the kids call chip tune or whatever. Right. Uh, like going from that to trumpet to guitar, that's already like a really wild dynamic background in terms of like different ways to make music. And it's right. It's funny because you'll get a lot of people that still think that like electronic music is a new thing. And it's just like, 
there's been electronic music composers since the 60s. I don't know why we think this is still a new thing. In a lot of ways, electronic music is just as old as rock and roll in a lot of ways. It's not that far behind. Herbie Hancock, right? Herbie Hancock, Robert Fripp. A lot of guys were doing were doing that stuff back then. You know, so when you were before picking up guitar, you know, in terms of your musical input, were you just like listening to rock or were you listening to any like weird electronic stuff or was like you're experimenting with music on the Commodore 64 just like I'm kind of a nerd and I'm just making noise. It wasn't like an inspiration from music at all. Yeah. So in the early days with like with the Commodore 64, it was more like you said, blips and bloops and mm-hmm. just and video game music. Like the little sound, the little songs that would be on the games and stuff. Yeah. So that just, it, it always, for some reason, I don't know why the, the, the computer was so appealing to me. It was just a fascinating thing that you could just take nothing basically and just type in some words and then things happen on the screen. Like somehow that really captured my imagination. Uh, how can, how can you type in some things into this keyboard and then suddenly you have a video game? I just just want to say real quick, I really appreciate how genuine this conversation is because your t-shirt is insanely appropriate for what we're talking about. (laughs) That's so funny. So in terms of like really starting to compose music for yourself, then that happened whenever guitar happened. Yeah, right. Because well, so with the trumpet, I learned to read me uh, sight read music, mm-hmm. which is really helpful, right? So understanding how to how to play, get a sheet of paper, or a sheet of music, and then watch it and read it and play it. Uh, but then after I get out of high school, I, I didn't keep that up. So I I got into you know t- teenage stuff, you know, hanging out with my friends and partying and all that. Mm-hmm. So when, when I got into the guitar, uh, you know, that really got me because of the rock and roll, the the excitement and the and the loud noises and all that stuff. So then uh, my early uh, years were just spent learning cover tunes. So just learning all that stuff. Like I mentioned Rhodes and like Jakey Lee and stuff like that. So I learned uh, and Paige and all that. So I learned the cover tunes and it wasn't until maybe, you know, four or five years after that, that I could, that I had some kind of chops, some kind of building blocks that I could use. Then I began to try my hand at, at writing my own music. Uh, and it actually, curiously enough, it started on in, in more of a, in a punk vein. One of my old friends from school was a was a uh, he moved in from California to our town, and then he brought a bunch of like weird stuff, like weird music that I had never heard of, like underground punk stuff. So I get you know he turned us on to that, and then so that was kind of my early, like I could write something like this. So we we started playing around with punk rock. I yeah. you know I I couldn't imagine. It, it's really easy for me to romanticize this. I don't know how cool it really is in, in hindsight, but just the yeah. idea of like living in a time, you know, pre-internet, which I mean, I didn't have the internet yeah. in high school or pre-internet. anything like that. Um, but, you know, it was easier to find out about music, but I imagine like there was a time where it was like, have you always been in Austin, by the way? Or- no. So I, I grew up in Laredo. It's Laredo, Texas. Okay. It's so you were in, in Texas though. In Texas. Though, so, yeah. Your friend, your punk rocker friend from California, California had moved to yeah. Texas, right? So yes. there was once upon a time where it's like if somebody's in this scene, they could literally be like the conduit to introduce you to a whole new thing because there isn't exactly. internet. There's like, you know, this is even probably before like DIY zines and things like that, just a little bit before. And yeah, uh, I mean, and it's, it's not on cool. TV. I mean, this is like yeah. underground stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, there was there was always like some sort of a way for me to find out about things on the outside. But again, 
you know, romanticizing this idea of like, you know, the new the new kid comes to school that has a T-shirt on. It, I think that's a band. I've never heard of it. I don't know what it is. What, you know, what is Screamers? I don't know. And then, you know, yeah. it's like your, you know, weird art punk friend from L.A. that shows you all this cool no wave shit. Yeah, It'd be a lot of fun. Exactly. And some of it some of it sucks, but some yeah. of it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like the idea of all of it is cool, even though yeah. musically no. all of it isn't great. It's like you respect it. The ethos of it, you know, getting into like coming from that more, you know, rock guitar God sort of thing, your Randy Rhodes and everybody else you had mentioned, but then getting into punk, were you like hesitant about all that stuff or were you like accepting of like the stuff that maybe wasn't so trained? Yeah, no, no, I was definitely accepting because again, it was more of the curiosity like, what is this sound? It's like the first time that I heard, you know, like Soundgarden. Okay, so my ear was already into the, those sounds from Sabbath, but then Soundgarden brought something different. And it was kind of, it was uh, groovy and it, I don't know. So when I heard that in my ear, that immediately is like, who's that band? You know what I mean? So it, it was, I was always just interested in different sounds and what kind of emotions can those sounds bring? Yeah. So, you know, I was just talking to my friend the other day about music, how in my time we we would experience music together. So we would bring, you know, cassettes or albums to the house uh, and then CDs later. And then we would sit down in front of the stereo and then we would kind of just listen to the tracks together, dude. We Like we would rotate, uh, you know, uh, Master of Puppets over (laughs) and over and over again on the tape. And now it just seems like, it, well, at least in my circles, maybe the kids are doing this, but it seems like more it's like Spotify, you know, you're in your car, you got your, your phones or your cans on and you're just jamming and it, it seems to be more isolated. So the memories that develop around certain music, it's like the soundtrack of your life, right? So yeah. now when I hear a Master of Puppets track, like Im- immediately I'm there with my friends from, from my early time. So, there, so there's memories built around that. So that's always been interesting to me as well. Like how how th- that that can form around music. So music is very powerful, and it's oh. it's just fascinating. To totally. Me. Like I, I've 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 talked about this before, but yeah, I I always attach a lot of weird things to different memories. There's like a certain smell in the air that happens, yeah. like you know, right before it rains. Exactly. And every time that smell happens, I remember my dad taking me to go see the smashing pumpkins. It's like this weird memory that hits me every time I have that smell of rain. It's like attached to all of these things. And, you know, in terms of like the way people engage with music now, I think that while the medium is a lot different, like maybe kids sitting around a computer sharing Spotify and YouTube links. I think the feeling is probably the same that, you know, you had flipping master of puppets, cassette tapes. And like the feeling that I had, like the first time I heard the first Slipknot CD and I called my friend Mike and tried to play it for him over the phone (laughs) because it was like, you got to hear this. It's the heaviest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, so it's like, it's, uh, it's, it, I think the, the feeling is the same. Uh, even though the, Again, I guess it's like romanticizing yeah. those those right. old ideas of things, but it does but seem, it does seem disconnected though because I think now a days like if you put on that Master of Puppets cassette, like you're gonna listen to all eight songs, eight or nine tracks, right? Mm-hmm. But with Spotify or YouTube, it's so easy to like get distracted or just listen to half a song and go to the next thing, and it kind of exactly. devalues the experience in some ways if you're not right. patient. It's a lot easier to be 
impatient with music these days. That's true. And I think, and, and I mean, the resurgence of, of interest in vinyl and even tapes, I think the, the, the tactile, you know, the, the holding something in your hand is a huge, for me, I mean, the artwork, right? I mean, totally. you walk into a record store, I never heard of this band, but check out how awesome that cover is, dude. I'm buying that right now. You know what I mean? So the artwork was a huge part of the, of the experience. And with the singles and all that, like you're talking about, I think that was missing. And I, and I believe that's part of the reason why you see a resurgence among young people like, hey, they like that. And that there's something to that uh, that's missing. And I think for artists, you know, one of, like, one of the EPs that we released, we put it out on, on cassette tape. And it was just fun to do. Like, I want to do something fun. You know, we put out a limited run, like 30 tapes, uh, put the music out there, you know, and they went and everything. So, you know, that's a way for artists to to maybe make some revenue if they can find the right channels and all that and give people some value that's not just you know anybody could put a track on spotify right i mean yeah anyone could just do that but but what about putting out something cool you know like a box set and that stuff's expensive and all that so it's a balance and all that but just those are the things that i think about how can i continue to 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 push the art form and and you know get into things that uh that people like mm-hmm. and give people some value so i think that it's really uh, interesting how it's kind of flipped how we've gone from, you know, I remember a time when my band, like, we need to have CDs. And, like, it, you, every band can't get on iTunes. Every band can't get on Spotify. Like, those are very right. elite platforms. And, like, yeah, the yeah. only way that you can get our music is if you get the CD, right? But then, you know, like, a MySpace happened and Bandcamp, SoundCloud, like, all these things start to pop up and all that stuff's cool. And now pretty much anybody can upload anything to whatever. And there's no... Right real sort of way to kind of like legitimize your work except for reverting to those old original ways like no this is on cassette tape and people were like oh well that's cool like more people were interested in the fact that i put out a cassette tape than my album being on spotify yeah some people other people say like well now how am i going to play this thing because i don't have a tape deck (laughs) but i think that it's like even like the fact that i have like a photo of me holding the cassette tape, I think made yeah. more people interested to even just go and listen to it online instead of me yeah. just being What's like posting a Spotify link or something like that. I think right. it's interesting how time things always go back in a way, you know, it thinks cycle. And uh, I'm really curious to see like what the next two, three years is going to be like, because everything is, really been flipped on its head in a lot of ways and i think it's going to take a a lot longer than people are hoping for like the air quote music scene to air quote recover whatever that means from everything that's going on right now right so it's it's been cool to see a lot more uh people that are taking time to uh like maybe build up a home studio and learn recording or learn video editing and all of that stuff just seeing bands putting more into the creative process because i do think that the best thing that the pandemic has done for underground artists i think is it's like stopped them from playing too many shows or being in that bubble of like i'm just gonna play you know the same five local clubs every other week until Mm -hmm. i die and i mean i mean there are a lot of people that are happy doing that there's nothing wrong with that but i think that you know, if you want to grow as an artist, getting outside of that bubble and actually being forced to put more time into just like creating 
better work, writing better songs, getting better at recording and just fine tuning things. It's going to do everybody a lot more good in the long run if they stick with it than, you know, playing that same hour set to the same 30 people every other week. Right. And now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about challenges with like today's landscape on the music. For example, we were, t- we were doing a music video yesterday and, and I was having a conversation with the director about, I was like, I want to do the video in 4k. And he was like, uh, well we can, but it doesn't really matter because most people are going to watch it on their phones. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I was having that same conversation about the music. So we're spending all this time and energy and effort, you know, getting it mixed and mastered. And it sounds awesome on your reference monitors. And then people are going to just w- listen to it on their phone or they're going to turn their laptop speakers. So what what happened to all that dynamic, that beautiful dynamic range, that lushness is just gone. And that's just the reality. I mean, you, people are not going to just go back to, you know, nice hi-fi systems there. Some people do have that, but I think the majority of people, even my friends, they'll just listen to the track on the phone or they'll watch the, they'll watch you know, a few seconds of the video on the phone yeah. and they're done. So, you know, what are we going to do, man? So I don't know if there's an answer for that. It's just, you that's know, just the nature of the beast. That's, that's definitely something that is on my mind a lot because I, I self-produce pretty much everything that I put out. So yeah. I definitely think a lot about that. But then if I think, you know, maybe, you know, my experience, cause like we're, I'm in the middle here. Like there are kids that are a lot younger than me and i have a feeling that you're just a little bit older than me i'm 35 just to throw that out there that's how old i am yeah so when i grew up i don't think like you know while i'm listening to music on a turntable or you know through a home stereo i don't know how good that home stereo was in hindsight and also a lot of the music that i was listening to i was watching on mtv through television speakers and i don't know how great those speakers were i don't think the headphones that i had on my disc man or my Walkman were all that much better or worse than what is available on today's standards so in some ways it's different in some ways it's the same i think that um it's really easy as an engineer to get caught up and all of that nuance and detail that unfortunately the majority of people aren't going to notice like you know the the dynamic range in a guitar you know being over compressed and sounding like hell to me or you most people are going to be like it's a yeah. guitar that's a right. snare drum it's yeah. a song you know it's just like you better just have a strong you know rhythm chord melody don't worry too much about the other stuff it's, it's if it's a good song it's going to transcend any of the needs for like the dynamic range to sing but i totally understand where you're coming from being an engineer yeah and yeah that's a good point so so my thought was like so maybe maybe i don't care so much about the mix totally Maybe I don't care so much about getting it mastered out in London, you know? So yeah, that's the kind of stuff or, or, and so we ended up shooting the video in 1080p. We didn't use 4k because he said, we don't, we don't need to. And he was mentioning, even if he, like in YouTube, if you just put in there that, it, that the video is 4k, somehow it ends up looking better, even though it's not 4k. So there's something with the YouTube <laughs> engine, it, 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 it opens it up more. If you just tell it that it's 4k, even though it's not. Yeah. So that's what, that's what he said. So. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, in terms of me filming stuff, the only reason that I ever shoot stuff in 4K is, like, I will shoot stuff in 4K, but edit it in 1080. So instead of having to, like, digitally zoom in, you already have, like, 
a large scale image where you can kind of pick and choose where you want to crop stuff from, which is good yeah. for like big wide. If you're doing like wide angle, full band shots and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I want to close up on the guitar player. Now you can just kind of crop in. Just zoom in on there. But yeah, yeah, if you don't have like very, very nice equipment too, it can be a nightmare because like, you know, cameras overheat and they can't shoot for as long a period of a time. And the Definitely file size so, is a nightmare. Yeah. The yeah, file size is a nightmare shooting in 4k. Like you really have to have, a pretty nice setup and for the long run if people were just going to be watching it on a three inch screen yeah and if, if we're lucky they'll watch the whole video that's yeah, the thing too. Lucky, we'll watch the whole video. going back to that attention span thing too it's like you know exactly. how much work do we want to put into you know all of yeah. that sort of stuff where it's like maybe we just got to focus on making a good video let's just write a right. good song the the quality yeah. the technical details don't matter so much anymore you know like yeah some of the most famous people in music right now in modern music are getting famous from TikTok, which is like, you know, 720p videos of people just singing at a phone with zero production effort (laughs) whatsoever. Yeah. I haven't made the, I haven't made the leap to TikTok, man. I actually avoided Facebook for years until I finally caved in. But, uh, Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, I don't see myself, making a tiktok account it's just not how i it's just not the way that i create or i prefer to engage with art like i don't like you know getting like these 15 second snippets just over and over and over again like i feel like it really devalues art in a lot of ways but it's also just a different kind of art it's a different way to present something it's just not it's just not the way that i prefer to engage with things so yeah i mean some of my younger friends we're talking about, you know, these are like, you know, early twenties and, and late teens and stuff. They're talking about making music that like songs are like 30 seconds long yeah, or 40 seconds long. And, and that, that's the, that is the, that's the song. Yeah. So it, whatever, you have to be able to fit it into a, a one minute or 30 second window. So you can put it out on TikTok or put it on, on the Instagram and all that. And that's, and that's a movement. So you release your record as a series of Instagram uh, posts and that's your album yeah i think that you know it's weird i think that this the short song trend my conspiracy theory <laughs> is that uh so many people are really concerned with getting spotify streams and stream numbers up and mm-hmm. also radio in general wants to be able to say that they play more songs in an hour so what's mm-hmm. the easiest way to do this make shorter songs yeah. So, you know, in the four minutes that it might take you to listen to one of my songs, you could listen to six songs from, you know, <laughs> little little Jeff Boots YZ or whatever fake rapper name you want to come up with. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, it's just, you know, I, but I, it's like I, tr- I try really hard to not be a curmudgeon about it. I have no right. control oh, over yeah. the way yeah. that the youth or c- pop culture wants to engage with music. It's just it's just not how... It's not my preferred vessel, but there's still like literally millions of people that still prefer four minute long songs. So I shouldn't get too caught up in the fact that, you know, that's what's blowing up right now. Like I I already know, I think there needs to be some sort of a a self-awareness that comes with all of this where it's like, do I really feel like I'm the face of modern pop anyways with the weirdo (laughs) music that I do? I'm not. It's not. It's not. It was never in the cards ever. Right. But yeah. I, I think that sometimes it's really easy to get bogged down by that and be like one of these old fucking nerds that's like, Billie Eilish isn't talented. It's like, why are you even 
bothering to think about Billie Eilish about right that. now. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's, I mean, like, from, yeah. it's like, you yeah. know, it's like her and her brother have been recording music in her bedroom since she was 10. She's probably been doing this a lot longer than you have in a lot of ways, yeah. too. Just because she's young yeah. doesn't mean she doesn't have the experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I like the, I have a passion for it still. So I have no, my goals are not, let me get the streams, let me get the views and all that. So that's, I don't even worry about that. I think about the technical aspects and how can, how can I uh, maximize my effort because, you know, time is, is finite, right? So you don't have, we have, we all have just a little bit of time. So how do I maximize my time? If I, if it doesn't matter to to mix or master, then maybe I don't want to do that. So that's why I think about that to say, how can I keep making the music that I enjoy making and then keep it quality and keep it sounding good, but then maximize the, the energy and the effort that yeah. I put in. So have you ever yeah. like, there's been this thing that's happened with me too, a lot where I'll go back and I'll listen to like demo versions of songs that we did. And I'm like, the energy in this is better. This track just sounds better. And like something has happened through this mixing and mastering process where like, I've essentially like scrubbed it down with a Brillo pad. And now it's just like this (laughs) dull version of what it should have been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I, like I, yeah, I, I, you know, dumped it in a bucket of hand sanitizer and now Mm -hmm. it's like, this isn't, what it was supposed to be anymore i feel like there's a better thing especially with like doing like you know whether it's like an alternative rock punk you know hip-hop like something that should have that grit to it anyways like Mm -hmm. how much polish does it need you think about some of the best albums of the genre the classics and they all have this grit to them none of them are perfect none of them were recorded in fucking pro tools it's like why are we like i think there's too many tools at our disposal now and like i try to like be very very like limited in what i have access to because i think it helps me make stuff better um i say this as somebody that just transferred to pro tools last week because whatever i want to learn the industry (laughs) standard hypocrite hypocrite brian over here but uh it's like i'm curious to like actually learn about like what this program is you know i recorded music on an IBM Windows 98 tower because it was all I could afford from the time that I was in high school until I was probably 29 years old. You like know, a, like what, like a Creative Lab sound card or it, like a sound yeah, blaster? yeah, 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 Sound Blaster sound card and a uh, and a uh, uh, Magic's Audio Studio Deluxe Four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked. That's the thing. Yeah. It worked. You know, like so much stuff that I put out, I recorded and fully produced on that thing. I mean, it didn't have a whole lot of internal memory or anything, but you can plug in, get an external drive and just be yeah. be aware of what you're doing, you know? And uh, I worked. know guys that are still on XP, dude. I know guys that, that, that they say Windows XP was the pinnacle of perfection. So why mess with a good thing? And they're they still use that. Sure. Not like sure. Right now. I would, I would never, I would never dog yeah. it. You know, honestly, yeah. some of the stuff that's on my band, normal creatures, we actually demoed a few of the tracks on the IBM tower just cause I was like feeling nostalgic. So yeah, we yeah. like just loaded it up and I was like throwing samples in just cause like there's like certain things about that program and like the default plugins that it comes with that just have this sound that probably doesn't sound special to anybody else listening to it but it's like a nostalgia thing for me where it's like oh yeah like that specific reverb that 
Magic's Audio Studio Deluxe has is like the best. It's the smoothest. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it probably doesn't sound any different than anything else, but you know, there's just like a I'm very like there's like a ritual to everything, and I really get into these habits of things. Um, yeah. But uh, the whole point, back to what I was saying before I went off on my sidestep, is that I think that it's really easy to overthink music now, which is funny yeah. in a time when you don't need to overthink it because people are digesting it so quickly and not the most uh, economical or reasonable ways, you know, through cell phones on cars, driving cars while they're checking text messages on the freeway. And like the music's just in the background. It's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, I I don't know. I don't know. So I'm with you. I think that maybe we shouldn't, you know, spend too much attention to it, but we just got the test pressings in for our vinyl that we're putting out. And I, I mixed it specifically for vinyl as one should. And Mm -hmm. when I was listening to it, I was like, this fucking thing sounds great. So I'm glad I put in the extra effort for that because if anybody listens to the record, they'll get the good experience. But for, the Spotify stuff, I don't think it really matters. Just yeah. make it audible. Put it up. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, Spotify levels everything out anyway, right? They they kind of they try and make everyone yeah, everyone dude, pretty much on my fucking phone. There's like you know the Spotify EQ, and then the Samsung has like an its own EQ that's built into the phone too, because like they're mm-hmm. trying to keep people from going deaf or listening to music too long, so they do yeah. like this weird like soft compression sort of thing to make it so like the volume levels don't get too loud and it's like mm-hmm. i didn't ask for any of this why yeah. is every single thing that i listen to sound the same now oh because like there's ten thousand things trying to keep me from being deaf because one ding dong sued samsung probably <laughs> over you know it's like, god yeah so yeah man i and for me the 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 other side of it is the we talked about the collaboration so meeting people so that's that's one of my make big things, you know, making new friends, making uh, relationships and getting other people's feedback and, and input on the music. So that it's not, uh, you know, for me, I get kind of tired of my own stuff. So I like to have other people bring something to the table and just getting to meet new people and all that is is huge. Um, and that I would even say that for me personally, that's even bigger than everything else that we've been talking about. Uh, in terms of the production and all that, which I, which is important, but for me, the the bigger thing is uh, making uh, connections with people and collaborating with them and getting to know them and and how can we create something together? One, that, uh, yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. I've I've said this a lot on the show in the past. I will say it again. I think that you know most music comes from for a lot of people some sort of like an introverted perspective. And I think the only reason that we really have to make our music, our our creativity in general public, the only reason to take it to the world is to make friends and to find other people that are just as weird and introverted as you that want to do the same dumb shit so you could all do it together and have a good time and not feel so alone in the world because yeah. it's it's a really it's really easy to to feel that way. So I think, you know, meeting people is huge. It's a big part of the reason why I do this podcast still um is because I've been doing the show since 2014 and uh it's really all about just meeting people i meet so many people outside of my bubble that i would never meet otherwise and i think that that's really fucking cool and super important and like humbling and you know i think it's really easy you know the one of the bad side effects of being 
a musician is sometimes you can really get into your head that like oh like why 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 am i not getting all of this attention i'm the only person that's doing this stuff and it's like no yeah, yeah. how about you you, fu- you know you have a podcast i'm talking to people from all over the place and it's like oh shit no there's actually like hundreds thousands of us everybody that you know we're all on the same playing field and we're all you know it's about so much more than the music music isn't that important like it's the most important thing to me but it's not that important i think like building relationships with people that go beyond you know the music and what do you do after master of puppets ends you can't keep listening to it you got to hang out with these people right you got to build a relationship so mm-hmm. I think that it's huge. I think it's so huge. And it makes so much sense why you would want to do a project like this Icons of Industry because it is just a way for you to just continuously have, you know, this open door to have new creative people from all different walks of life come in. Because the other thing too that I think is awesome is like when you start working with people that specialize in different genres of music, you learn so much and it makes you a better performer instead of just like, well, I'm just making rock music and I've been playing in rock bands for my whole life. And sure, you know, I can, I can rip those Randy Rhodes solos, but like, you know, I can't understand, you know, a hip hop song that saved my life. It's like, well, there's a lot of value in knowing both. I think so. You know? And in like in the, in the nineties, I got into stuff like square pusher, you know, Aphex twin and, and that, the, the hard kind of electronica stuff. And that's something that's interesting to me as well. Like, cause it, it, for me, it has that, it has a heartbeat for me. It's not, it, it doesn't, people think electronic music is typically just sterile, but uh, there's some stuff out there that's pretty, you know, alive, I think in terms of it's, it, there's, there's some breath in it and, and it's got movement. Yeah. And it's got texture and all that. So I, I, I want, how can I now get, get some of that in here? Yeah. Uh, right. Are you, are you uh, familiar with or a fan of Prefuse 73? I haven't heard of that. Okay, so Prefuse seventy three. Yeah, so Prefuse seventy three is a uh, he's a, a hip hop producer that is like known for doing everything in the box, like on an Akai MPC, like oh, all okay. wild samples and like the stuff is never quantized perfectly, and like the samples and like the key changes and all this stuff that he does. His first, he still puts out his his musical output is intimidating. It's so much, but like if you go back and start at the beginning and listen to his first few albums, there is yeah. so much life and texture and grit to it. But it's all samples and it's all just done wow. in the box, no computer, and it's awesome. so fucking cool. And like definitely like a very like I found out about him pretty early on in my like music making journey and it was like very very inspiring just in terms of being like you know you don't need the computer there's a lot of like i think there's still artists that are into this sort of like hashtag dawless movement where like they're all yeah they're all about like just doing stuff in the box but like this dude uh you know i don't i i don't think i don't know if he's a pioneer of it by any means but uh he's been doing it you know since the late 90s if not longer than that which i mean back then that's was, pretty early yeah even stuff. but i mean like even like you know everybody having a daw back then wasn't necessarily a very common thing but um where but now where now it's like i can have pro tools on my fucking cell phone you know if i wanted to uh it's yeah. it's too it's it's wild i think it's cool you know it's like this weird sort of balance this yin and yang where i think it's great that everybody can record themselves now and 
has an avenue to get their feelings out and heard and yeah. do their art. But it's like, there's just, it's, there's a lot of noise. It's a lot of static. It's there is. And for me, you know, one of the other things, Brian is, is I, I I'm a Christian and I'm also a theologian. Okay. So for me, so words, uh, are important. So the, I, I, the, the most difficult thing for me when I'm writing music is the lyrics. Cause I, even though you could argue, well, you know, maybe most or at least a lot of people won't listen to the lyrics. That's not really the point for me. The point is, I, I think, you know, the like I said, words are powerful and words are important. So if I'm going to spend time to say something, then I want it to have some impact to whoever that may be. Even if it only affects one pe- person or two people, then that's something that's good. And I can and I can feel like, OK, I contributed something positive. So that's another aspect for me uh, when I think about music is how what what am I going to say? How can I say it in a way that that that's that can be conveyed with clarity? Uh, because I, does it, the other side is people that that are making poetic statements that are that can be interpreted in different ways. That's how in my early days I was like that, but now I'm more focused on no, I I, I actually have something that I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be vague. I'm not trying to appeal to people to say, oh, well, you can interpret it any way you want. And that's fine for, for the guys that are doing that. But for me, no, like I want to be clear in my statements. And I, and I actually want to have a message that's, that's understood in a way that I, have the, that I intended for it to, to come out. So, so that's, that's another thing. So that's always an interesting journey, I imagine. Like it's one thing to learn guitar and get your chops up to a point where it's like well now i'm coming up with my own chord structures and melodies and things like that but to like start putting words out putting words to your music that's a whole different like ballpark so in terms of like starting to write lyrics or like singing and performing like what was that experience like because that's always a pretty intimidating thing i think for a lot of people you know finding like what am i gonna say how yeah. am I going to say it? How do like, what, what do I do? What was it like for you? Right. So in the early days, like I said, before I was a uh, uh, practicing Christian, it was more about the music. And I was, and I was taking cues from, you know, bands like Soundgarden and other bands like that, that were doing uh, just making poetic statements. So it was a poem and it's abstract, right? So it's yeah. just basically you take, you know, Cobain, right? I mean, the, the archetypical, you know, uh, non nonsense uh, lyrics, right? I mean, libido, my mosquito, whatever. So you know that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was doing that kind of thing, and then when I became aware that that the the things that I say matter, then I really had a sharp focus. And I, I I remember an, an interview with uh, uh, Ketis from from the Chili Peppers, right? So he was talking about, uh, you know, he doesn't believe uh, that that uh, that music can can harm people. So the, I think I don't remember the context. I think it was about something about the, you know, the I don't know, man. You know how remember that whole thing where people were committing suicide and all that, and they were trying to blame bands and all that. Sure, it, it might have been in that context. But he was saying like he didn't believe that that music could be could do that. But yet at, at the when on the other side of his mouth, he believed that music could heal people and that music <laughs> could be bring light to the world. And and like what what a what a con, what a self contradictory thing to say. What a hypocrit- hypocritical thing to say. Hand, you don't think that it can hurt, but then you you think that it can help. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, so if music can can help people, if music can bring uh, healing and, and and light to people, then at the same time, then it's obviously can bring darkness. It could all, also bring hurt. 
so when when I when that revel, uh, realization you know came home to me, I began to really focus on that. And then so again, as a as a theologian, I, I'm coming from the Christian scriptures and the Hebrew scriptures. So digging out the the wisdom and the and the and the life that's coming from that, and then and then bringing that into my music. I mean, even one of my songs is is basically you know verbatim pretty much from one of the Old Testament narratives about about uh, judgment and, and how God deals with certain things with people. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Okay. In terms of, you know, your experience with, um, you know, religion and tying that into your work, did you grow up in, like, with a religious background or was no. this something you got more interested in, like, through life? Later, yeah. Later. So I grew up basically an agnostic. Okay. Bordering atheist. Right. So, so if Tip, God exists, typical rock and roller. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about like as a little kid. Even, okay. Okay. As yeah. a kid. Yeah. Like my, so my parents were not religious. Okay. So, so in my brain, in my thought, I was like, if God is real, he's way out there. Like he has nothing to do with me if he's even there. So that was pretty much my world in terms of, of God. Sure. So, so that was my life for a long time. And I remember even in school having, we had a debate class and there was like creation versus evolution. And I was on the evolution side and, and I was arguing from a perspective of like, there's no God and we don't need God to do anything and so on. So that was my early life. Then uh, I became a Christian in, in my teens because my, my, my dad actually uh, had an, an encounter with the gospel. He changed and I saw him, Brian, I saw because I knew my dad. You know, many times people can put on a mask, right? So you go outside and you're interacting at work or whatever and you're this person. But then in your house... It, behind doors, your family knows the real you, right? Sure. So I knew my, I knew the my, my real dad. So I knew who, how he was as someone in the house. So when he became a Christian, I saw that transformation that was real, dude. So, so it was not some mask that he put on before he went to work. I saw it, li, li, you know, living. So that immediately got my interest. Like, what happened here? Even though I was young, I was in my early teens. Like, I understood that 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 the just doesn't happen. I mean, how does that happen? How does a person like change like that at the heart level? Sure. So that's when I became interested in, in, in Christianity and what does that, and, and is this even true? So I began to search that out. Is this stuff even real? You know, because people have all sorts of, like you're talking about voices and static and all that, you, you know, well, no, it's fake or no, it's a bunch of mythology or no, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, somebody invented that to control people and, and the Council of Nicaea, and you know all these crazy, wacky uh, ideas that have nothing to do with reality or history. So, me with with an with an engineering mind, like I said, I was interested in computers. When I was a kid. I want to think through and puzzle through things. So let me get let me let me go look at the 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 books. Like, what do the history books say? How how reliable is history, and so on and so forth. So it was it was a long journey, man. And and then when I came, like in my in my early twenties, and and. Uh, I, I really began to to, to uh, actually back away from that when I when I became in my early twenties, and then about maybe fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, I uh, I came back to uh, Christianity, and I've been you know following that as as uh, as a Christian, you know, not not as a person who says, well, I'm a Christian, but then uh, doesn't do what what the scriptures are saying sure. to do. So, in terms of you know having this aspect of your life that can you know sometimes you know be just kind of like really shunned 
in a lot of creative circles for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. You know, what is that like for you and how do you engage with art that maybe is kind of like poo-pooing a religion or you just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, I just don't have time to really acknowledge this or, yeah. you know, is it something that like, I don't know. I just, I, I'd be just curious to know like yeah. what, what that, what that experience is like for you. Yeah, well, there is the, there is that shunning aspect, and actually, the bass player that we had uh, in, with one of the, with the, one of the few records that we put out before, or singles we put out before, he left because I'm a Christian. So when we met, I, so I'm open to working with anybody. You don't have to be a Christian, right? So I'm not saying I only work with Christians. So I'll work with anybody who wants to work. The only the only thing that I have on that as a caveat for my projects is the lyrics, because I don't th- I, I don't believe that music in and of itself is evil or good. Music is just something that you, that you can uh, bring, right? So the lyrics are what make it good or evil. Sure. From my perspective. No. So if you're going to, for an icons project, like I have, uh, you know, basically oversight over the lyrics. You could, if you want to bring lyrics to the table, that's fine, but they have to line up with a Christian perspective. I, I, I don't feel comfortable. Like I said, saying something or putting words out into the world that are contradicting my own perspective. Sure. Right? I think so. That- the bass player that I had, he was not a Christian. So we worked together. But then, when all the 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 issues came up this just last year, man, with the with the riots and the racial tensions mm. and all that, I think that really exposed a lot of people's hearts. Like, where are you really at? So we were able to. We got along. We, we made a music video. We made we recorded music. But then, when that when those issues came up, and I began to show like where here's where I'm coming from. Like that's when the conflict happened, and he said, "Well, I can't be in in the band anymore." And he quit. So, so it has real, you know, it has real implications. And and the thing is, am I going to compromise my view, or is he going to compromise his view? So I'm willing to be open, but I'm not willing to compromise my integrity and compromise my my beliefs. And sure. I don't think that that he should either, right? So, so it, he needs to do what he's going to do. So, so there's no. You know, we, we talk about unity and we talk about we should all get together and we should. But but there are some things that are so deep that there is no unity. There is no joining. And unless you're willing to change and I and concede to the other point, then you could then there could be unity. Right. So in other words, if he if I if I relinquished my beliefs then I could say, well, then we can keep making music or he he relinquished his. Yeah. But, you know, I stood my ground and he stood his. And then so now we can't work together. So and, and 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 in the bigger picture, I mean that there's like you mentioned, there's hostility towards religion, and I believe Christianity in general. I mean, how, when was the last time you heard you know people criticizing uh, Islam, right? So, yeah. so somehow Islam has it gets a free pass, but Christianity is the is the kid that you can kick around in class and, and bully all you want, and there no one's going to tell you anything. Yeah, but somebody comes, so a Hindu comes, and oh, you know, respect and and. You can't don't don't offend and all that stuff, but but you can offend Christians all day long. Yeah, no, so that's yeah, that's I, the world. Yeah, I think it, it really comes from a place of just just whether it's willful or not willful, just general ignorance towards like other people's feelings and beliefs, and uh, it's like I don't think it's that complicated to just respect somebody for what they believe in. I mean, granted, maybe there's some things out there that some people believe that are objectively terrible things, but you don't have to interact with those people. And I think that those people are very few and far between. I think for the most part, everybody just wants 
the world to be a better place and they just want what's good for them and their family and their friends and shit like that, regardless of what they believe. And if you can't, you know, bring yourself, if you can't like sit at a table with somebody and discuss those feelings and be on the same page, then you shouldn't be at that same table, you know, right. in a way, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, we're talking about like overproducing songs in a way it's like, you know, how much do we have to overproduce our personalities and our morals to fit with other people? Or do we just put ourselves out there raw and unmastered? Like this is, we are who we are, ex- right. accept it or don't, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's true. But, but it's like I said, so if I'm myself and then, and he's himself and then we can't gel, then, then uh, you get to a point where, where you can like, so he's the one who left. I didn't say you, you can't be in the band. Right. Yeah. So at some point, somebody has to make a decision. I'm I'm willing to 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 accept you as who you are, and I'm willing to uh, uh, respect your beliefs. I don't believe them, but I respect your beliefs, and I'm gonna go ahead and and, and we can be friends. That could work, but but sometimes that doesn't work because you know the, the issues are just too deep, and they're not sure they're not something that you're comfortable with. You know. Yeah, I mean, if it gets to a point where you're attaching your, you know like lyrically there's a message behind this work so and if you're gonna have a message that's leaning in a particular direction and it's like your vision then you don't want to compromise that like you don't want to put negativity out into the world through the thing that you love when you're somebody that is probably trying to be more of like a force for good than evil right so why why would you allow that like toxic nature to come into you know your your escape from all of that, right? In a way, like yeah. this is, you're probably using music and art as a way to get away from the horrors of the world, but also maybe shine light on things and share a positive message about them. You know, I think yeah. sometimes you can even, you know, topics don't have to be positive, but there's a positive way to approach them through art. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but you gotta it, be able exactly. to, uh, yeah, be able to communicate that and just, I don't know. It's yeah. not everybody get, not everybody's on the same page. That's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. And for me, like even the idea of like good and evil, you mentioned objective good. So that gets it to, that gets it to all sorts of conversations about what is objective good. Some people don't believe there's such a thing as objective good because if they're, you know, where does it come from? And so on. So I mean, we, we're not going to go into a philosophical rabbit hole, but <laughs> you know, those are things that I think about. Yeah. So when you hear the icons music, like I explore those topics the worldview topics, like people, what people believe at the, at the uh, core level is a song that we have called the waltz of Margaret Sanger, where I talk about Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood and, and what, what her, where was her frame at in relation to a Christian? So the song is about, you know, how, how does she view the world and, and what are the ramifications of, of holding a belief system like she did where human beings are basically just animals. So you know, just like you can slaughter a cow and have a burger. What's the difference between that and killing a human being or, or using them as, as lab rats to, to experiment on stuff? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it has real, I mean, the beliefs matter and what you believe about another person, how the world works is going to have implications in your life. And there's just no way around that. So that's the stuff that I'm, that I'm trying to hit at. And again, it's not, you know, it's not about a, writing a, a history or a theology book. It's a three-minute song or a four-minute song, but the the seeds of conversation is what I'm trying to touch on. Can we can we start talking about some of these things and have a conversation sure. and then and then 
how do we move forward from here? Sure. Music is a conversation between the performer and the listener. And, you know, you have to put out something that you want to talk about. And maybe it isn't always something that the listener wants to hear. But if it's something that you're passionate about, you know, that's a good way to get a conversation going. You know what I mean? There's a, you know, there, there's, there's a, there's a lot about, you know, the, the, the lady that founded Planned Parenthood that is objectively, well, not even objectively, just terrible, not, not the best person. Uh, but a lot of people don't, uh, you know, go read into those sorts of things. But, uh, if you were interested, you could, but most people could, you you could, but most people would just rather not, (laughs) they would rather not know. And I don't blame them because I know. And I'm like, this is horrifying, but, uh, you know, and we got comments on YouTube, like, you know, I love the basis, man. I'm into your bass for about, I don't like that met the Christian message. So can you send me like an instrumental version of the track? Seriously, uh, man, we got a comment like that. Like, I, I would love to. I like the music, but I don't like the. I like the your bass player, but I don't like the. the that's the music. fucking wild. <laughs> that is wild. There's, yeah. there, there's just like, hey, hey, friend. There's a lot of other music in the world. We yeah, appreciate well, you for being here, but this, the, honest, this is right? this is this is what we're talking about. You know, it's like a like going to somebody's house for dinner, and it's like, hey, I appreciate that you made all this, but could you just could you just make something else? Yeah, can you order a pizza or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like on you, yeah, on you, <laughs> yeah. Man, that's uh. so. Well, yeah. you know, wrapping things up here as we have uh, crossed our hour mark, and I'm sure most people have a lot that they got to do today. We appreciate anyone for yeah. listening as long as they've had. I feel like uh, you're one of those people that uh, I could and I would definitely love to go down a rabbit hole with sometime if you're ever <laughs> interested in you know yeah. talking more I like I don't I don't have enough uh, interesting conversations with people that think about things that are like just outside of like a creative spectrum that I yeah. that I could talk with and I feel like it we, we could maybe have a good talk and that would be awesome, I want to you know I, 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 I definitely want to keep in touch seem like an all right individual and i I could use plenty more of those i I always uh i always like some of the most curmudgeon shit that ever comes out of my mouth is like i don't need any more friends but then i meet people like you and i'm like hey you know i could use a couple more people like you yeah i mean friends are hard work brian right i mean friends are hard work you have to you know call talk to them you have to call them (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh, well um, yep. So Icons right. of Industry it is a uh, a project that is perpetually creating. You are yes. always interested in collaborating with different, you know, singers, songwriters, yes. whatever. You have yes. them just reach out, maybe send reach you some out. stuff. Let let people yeah. know like wh- how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, Icons of Industry at gmail dot com. Uh, you can always send an email or we have icons of industry on Facebook, icons of industry on Instagram. Uh, and I think we also have a, a band uh, reverb nation page, which I update sometimes, but yeah, just email icons of industry at gmail.com or, or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. And that's how you get a hold of me. Super, super yeah. cool. Well, <laughs> yo, Roberto, thank you so much. I yeah, think it's Brian. really cool that, the, the the internet has brought us together for whatever reason uh you know i i think the internet is a lot smarter than than we realize or that we want to give it credit for but it it brought the two of us together and i feel like we we get along rather well so 
Well, I appreciate you so, having me, Brian. Thank thanks. you for being such a gracious host and having me on your show, man. Yeah, you got it. So I'm going to do my outro and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up from there. Uh-huh. So that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we are done. That is a podcast. I'm just going to fade this out. And uh, thank right. you. We did cool, it. Man. Yeah, we-